Indian River and Sussex Central High Schools have played each other in football every year since 1969. With both schools being located in the same school district, it is one of the fiercest gridiron rivalries in the state of Delaware. Like all longtime rivalries, some games have been memorable, others forgettable. But none was more bizarre and controversial than the one played on September 16, 1983. By the time the game was over, confusion reigned among coaches, players, officials, and fans. And the final outcome would not become official until 10 days later. In a few moments, we'll talk to two people who were there that night and hear their recollections from that strange and unusual game. I'm Dave Mall, and this is the IRSD Spotlight. It was the first game of the 1983 season and the Sussex Central Golden Knights, coached by Dave Bloodsworth, traveled south to Frankfurt to play the arch-rival Indian River Indians, coached by Dale Steele. Both teams had high hopes for the season. The Indians had narrowly missed the playoffs the year before, while Sussex Central, led by quarterback Billy Savage, running back Demetrius Taylor, and a stout defense, hoped to contend for the Henlopen Conference Northern Division title. The community was buzzing about the matchup in the days leading up to the game. Jim Smith, a sophomore backup offensive and defensive lineman, was suiting up for his first varsity game at Sussex Central. He remembers the pregame hype well. And coming right out of the gate in the fall of 1983, the opening game was Sussex Central Indian River, and there was a lot of hype. The local newspapers, um, you know, I know that I guess the Sussex or County Post, you know, um, you know, had pregame articles and you know, touted the starting lineups, and it was really, I think, hyped up to be quite a showdown, which it turned out to be. Yeah, typically uh, when we played uh, Indian River, there was always a pretty strong pep rally. Um, back in those days, you know, that was really the, the big rivalry, I think, for each of those schools. And I think today it still is, but I'm not quite sure uh, it had the energy that it had back then. But it was, it was quite a rivalry, and both teams were very pumped up for that game. On the Indian Riverside, senior John Wells usually played exclusively on the offensive line as a guard. That night, however, he was pressed into duty on defense due to an injury to one of the starting linebackers. You said it. I was listed as a guard, and that's how I started out. And I was a backup linebacker. Uh, Frankie Murray and Chris Fry, two very good linebackers for us. Chris Fry uh, acquired a high ankle sprain, and I believe the last scrimmage, and was out. So I had to play linebacker for him and guard for myself and some of his special team duties so uh, it was the only game in my high school career that I played everything. Little did John know that on defense he would become a key player in the controversy that would eventually engulf the proceedings. First let's set the scene. It was a hard-fought game throughout with Sussex Central dominating the first half and carrying a 16-6 lead into halftime. But the Indian River defense stiffened in the second half and kept the Golden Knights off the scoreboard. Midway through the third quarter, Indian River's Chris Irvin scored from 14 yards out and Greg Hook ran in the subsequent two-point conversion to pull the Indians within 16-14. Sussex Central held that slim 16-14 lead late into the fourth quarter. With three minutes left, Sussex Central was punting from its own 40-yard line when an errant snap sailed over the head of punter Tim Conaway. 
Indian River pounced on the loose ball at the Sussex Central 15. The Indians suddenly had excellent field position and a golden opportunity to take the lead. But, according to John Wells, Sussex Central had other ideas. We forced a punt, and the punt was high, went over the punter's head, and I can't remember who the players were. And we thought, wow, we're getting the ball back. Now inside the 15, approximately, we're going to win this game with a touchdown. Uh, give them credit. They stuffed us. We drove it. I don't know if it was to the 5, 7. I don't think it was back inside the 5, though. I think it was outside the 5. So give them credit. They they stopped us. We had momentum, bad snap. We're deep in our territory. Uh, Chris Fry was also our field goal kicker. So he was out that game. So we're down by two points because Chris Fry was the only kid I can remember in preseason that would practice with Coach Steele on field goals and PATs. So that wasn't an option for us. So we had to try to score. And they stuffed us. Indian River moved the ball to about the five-yard line, went on fourth and one. Running back Terry Handy took a pitch around left end and was stopped for no gain by a swarm of Sussex Central defenders that included Lenny Jareed, Billy Savage, and Greg Taylor. The Golden Knights took over on downs with a minute 39 seconds remaining, needing only to run a few plays to run out the clock. A season-opening victory over their arch-rivals was within their grasp. Then things got weird. The Golden Knights started going backwards. We'll let John Wells describe what happened. Not much time left. It was under 30 seconds. And uh, they went to kneel on the ball instead of just snapping it and kneeling. The quarterback took three or four steps backwards before he knelt trying to burn time. Yeah, so it, I believe it was outside the five. And Bill Savage, uh, great athlete, I think he was trying to kill some time and backed it up. We might have, they might have snapped one, we called a timeout, and then he snapped it and backpedaled, trying to run the clock out, and then knelt down. And then I think we used our last timeout, and the ball's on the half-yard line. Facing a fourth and one inside its own one-yard line with only seconds remaining, Sussex Central needed to run one more play to run out the clock and seal the victory. The Indian River defense had only one option, push the Golden Knights back into the end zone for a game-tying safety. Jim Smith wasn't on the field, but he remembers what transpired. And then Sussex Central was very deep in its own uh, territory. And as the game was, you know, as the final seconds were dwindling off the clock, basically Sussex Central was really in a position to just have to run off those final few seconds. And uh, on its, I guess about its own one-yard line, the quarterback, Billy Savage, ran a quarterback sneak right up the middle, which was really stuffed by a tough Indian River defense. And that was the last play of the game. And there was some, there was definitely some, um, the referees were, took a, a, probably a few extra seconds pause more than normal before they threw the football up in the air, which used to signify that the game was, was over. Uh, but there was, some back and forth, and I know both teams were, were sort of arguing their sides, and I think both coaches were, both coaching staffs were. Uh, Central thought it had successfully gotten out of the end zone, and Indian River adamantly thought that they had trapped Billy Savage in the end zone for a safety. John Wells also remembers that final play. Yeah, they tried to just uh, wedge block, quarterback sneak up the middle. We had uh, Cordell Church, I believe, was playing lefty tackle, was in the A-gap on the shoulders shoulder of the center um, with Frankie Murray behind him. Todd Steen was in the right A gap on the shoulder of the center 
I was I was right behind him. I had my hand right on his rear end. Because as, as, as soon as the ball moved, I was shoving him in and going over top of him. And the same thing on the other side. And uh, we were all gapped down. And uh, yeah, then it was mayhem. And everybody's fighting through. And and they're trying to, they're, you know, Central's trying to come out of the end zone because really their heels are in the end zone. And uh, we're going one way, they're going the other. And when the dust settled, they spotted the ball and said it's not a safety. And I can't remember looking because Dale Steele was out of his coaching box. <laughs> Want to know what was going on. And I can remember him looking after going, where's the ball, where's the ball? But was it a safety? According to John Wells and several newspaper accounts of the game, when officials spotted the ball, its rear point was a half inch inside the goal line. Confusion reigned as officials tried to interpret the rules. Some on the officiating crew apparently thought the entire ball had to be in the end zone to constitute a safety. And that's where the confusion came in because the officials were talking and I remember them saying the ball was on the end zone. It didn't break the plane. It was over the white by about an inch, but it hadn't gone across the whole white, which doesn't matter. If you break the plane, you break the plane. And that's, and that's how the game ended with the referee saying no safety. Everyone even feel thinking they won. At one point amidst the confusion, Indian River players began celebrating, apparently believing they'd been awarded a safety, which would have tied the game 16 to 16. After more deliberation, however, the officials reversed course and declared that it wasn't a safety, essentially giving Sussex Central a 16 to 14 victory. Jim Smith remembers the atmosphere down on the field. I, I wish we had a clear video of it because I, I remember people saying that there was some discrepancy between the officials. And I had heard some stories that someone had, you know, gathered the fact that one of the officials had called a safety. Uh, but then uh, they, the, the refs kind of, the officials came together, convened, and then before you knew it, the game was over. Uh, Sussex Central fans and the team, you know, we stormed out on the field. We were happy to get out of Frankfurt with a victory. And Indian River wasn't happy because they, they concisely thought they had stopped Savage uh, for safety, and so there was just a lot of confusion, and I remember both coaching staffs, I do remember that, like, even though we were celebrating, I do remember that both coaching staffs were having some uh, some back and forth with the, with the officials that night of, of them pleading their case, you know, uh, especially Indian River. But there was just kind of this pause, this long pause after that play as they tried to pull up the rugby scrum, that's kind of what it looked like. And they picked up the pieces, and then all of a sudden, ball game's over, Central wins. It was confusing. We're like, did we just win the game? We think so. And, you know, then they threw the ball up, and, and we won the game. But there was, there was a lot of confusion, I think, even after that. But while the Golden Knights celebrated their season-opening win, Indian River wasn't ready to drop the issue. On the Wednesday after the game, the Indians filed a formal appeal with the Henlopen Conference. Interestingly, the Delmarva Officials Association joined Indian River in the appeal after game officials admitted making an error in the closing seconds. According to the Wilmington News Journal, a check with the National Federation of High School Associations revealed that the ball only had to break the goal's leading edge for a safety. Therefore, the officiating crew had erred in ruling that the entire ball had to be in the end zone. On September 26th, Ten days after the game's conclusion, a special committee consisting of three Henlopen Conference athletic directors voted unanimously to award Indian River a safety. As a result, the final outcome of the game was changed to a 16-16 tie. When the news came down, both teams had already played their second game of the season. At Indian River, there wasn't a big celebration, according to John Wells. I remember being told at practice by Coach Steele and feeling good about a tie, 
But in the same respect, when you get that in, in a tie, it's a tie. You know, people say it's like kissing your sister or whatever else. But still, for us, it's points. It was better for us tied in, in Central uh, as far as the points go. But I think not being able to leave the field on that play in a celebratory mindset took away a little bit from – yeah, we were – we were okay about it. It was good about it. It wasn't a win. Um, we had moved on. And then hearing that we got a tie, it was it was good to know that. But it, it didn't happen in front of the fans. And it didn't suit. So you couldn't jump up and down and, you know, and run to the sideline. And But we never celebrated at practice. It was just it was mentioned to us as a group. That's how they wanted to tell us. The reaction at Sussex Central was much different, according to Jim Smith. Oh, yeah. I think that I think our team and our school was in absolute shock that the the play had been reversed and the outcome of the game had been reversed to, to grant a tie rather than a victory. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of disappointment, a lot of huge disappointment because uh, that was a great – because, yeah, I think we had actually uh, played a second game by that time. We had played and, I believe, lost to Seaford. Um, and so we thought, well, we're at least one and one, and then it turned out we were oh one and one. So, um, yeah, that was a very, very um, that was a very interesting, you know, beginning of a football season for a school district because I think that was somewhat unprecedented to have a game turned around ten days after um, you know it had been completed. Um, you know, we thought the you know I know our coach at the time, the late Dave Bloodsworth, thought you know the, he thought the correct call was made on the field. And then we heard, you know, rumblings, you know, you know, days later that Indian River was going to uh, was going to file a protest with the Henlopen Conference, and we thought, well, they won't do that. And sure enough, they did. And I know, I know, Bloodsworth was really upset about that. Um, and you know, was you know, he he because he wasn't he didn't. I think he thought there were some procedural errors that were followed, you know, that weren't followed properly by Indian River. And, you know, he's like, I've got a videotape of the game. I don't know how great that videotape would have been. But it was just kind of a bizarre turn of events uh, in a, in a, in a two-week period uh, with, you know, and in some cases you got kids that live pretty close to each other that played for opposite schools and, you know, tempers were probably flaring well after that game was over. But Sussex Central didn't let the disappointment ruin its season. Despite losing their next two games, the Golden Knights rallied to finish the season with a successful 5-4 and 1 record. At least that's what the official record books say. Yeah, we ended up finishing 5-4 and 1 that year and I remember at the end of the year there were a lot of guys still saying, I think I still think we were 6 and 4. Despite getting a reprieve against Sussex Central, Indian River struggled for the remainder of the season and finished with a record of 3-6 and 1. It was one of just 3 losing seasons during coach Dale Steele's tenure. In the years since, the 1983 Sussex Central Indian River game has become something of a local legend. Most who were there cannot ever recall seeing anything like what transpired in the south end zone on that night. Among them is Jim Smith, who not only played in countless football games, but also broadcast games on a local radio station in the 1990s. That game was talked about for, for many years, and you know, until you brought it up, it had been a few years since I thought about it, but it certainly, um, it certainly got a lot of attention locally, that's for certain. You know, I played high school football for, uh, you know, three years and, you know, played in middle school and, you know, and then, as you stated, called football games for, I think, seven years for WGMD. And I would have to say that was probably one of the uh, more unique occurrences uh, on a local high school football field. I mean, there, I've seen the lights go out at stadiums and I've seen some controversial calls, but 
I, I'm sure guys from both schools would you know, probably even share some laughs. They've probably gotten over it by now. In his years as a player and coach, John Wells has never seen the result of a football game changed on an appeal. It's very, very rare, and that's a unique game. You may never see it again. Not when there's a, not when there's a minute left. We had the ball, chance to score, and uh, they stuffed us. And then all hope's gone, and uh, we stuffed them back so they don't get a first down, and they snap the ball. You know, all they got to do is snap it and punt it away and, and make a tackle or punt it out of bounds even. But, uh, yeah, bad snap. Quarterback backs up, too close to the goal line. It's amazing. And, that's, and that just sits with you. And I can't remember our attitude. Like Todd, Steve, and I were joking about it before the play went off, that we were going to get him in the end zone. And, you know, we thought we had to tackle in the end zone, to be honest with you. But he may have got forward progress. I'm not sure how that worked. But uh, we were actually joking about it. Cordell, Frankie, myself, and Todd. I mean, Frankie's a pretty quiet guy, but we were actually pretty confident that we were going to tackle him in the end zone. So when it, we weren't, like, nervous. We weren't uh, uh, negative, hanging our heads. We believed we had a chance. And they gave us a chance. We were snap and we backing up. So we, our attitude was pretty positive that we were going to get we were getting that safety. We didn't think it was going to take a week later. but. And there you have it. 33 years later, recollections of this game vary. Some, like John Wells and Jim Smith, still have vivid memories of what transpired that night, while others, many of whom played in the game, remember little about it. Such is life. Sussex Central and Indian River have met on the gridiron 47 times since the formation of the Indian River School District in 1969. The Golden Knights have won 32 of those meetings and the Indians 14. There was also one tie. Now you know the story of the tie. Perhaps the 1984 Sussex Central yearbook summed it up best by stating, We all showed up with our spirit tagging right along behind us. We played, we won, we tied. Ironically, John Wells has been Sussex Central's head football coach for the past 20 years and has guided the Golden Knights to seven Henlopen Conference Northern Division titles and 11 state playoff appearances. His teams have advanced to the state Division I finals four times. With a record of 144-71, and 71, he is the winningest coach in school history. I want to thank John for taking the time to speak with me not only for this retrospective, but also for an earlier podcast episode about his career as a football and softball coach. I also want to thank Jim Smith for sharing his recollections of this game and for sending me some old newspaper articles that contained accounts of what happened that night. He also sent photos and rosters for each team. It was great looking back at the teams and players from my own high school days. Thanks again, Jim. On a personal note, before we sign off, Dale Steele, the Indian River head coach on that fateful night, passed away on December 2, 2016 at the age of 68. In 11 years at the helm of the Indian River football program, he guided the Indians to five Southern Division titles and one state championship. His teams also advanced to the state finals on three other occasions. He still stands as the winningest coach in school history. I was the team's equipment manager in 1985 and still remember the life lessons Coach Steele imparted to his players. Many probably still recall him saying that at the end of the day there are two people that one has to answer to, God and the man in the mirror. At the Delaware Interscholastic Football Coaches Association Banquet on January 25th, Dale's family was presented with an Honorary Coach of the Year Award in honor of Indian River's 1988 state championship team. Coach Steele will be missed, but his influence lives on, as will the memories of the great games and seasons he coached at Indian River High School. 
IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. IRSD Spotlight episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.